Welcome to What's on Your Souls, a relational podcast where you can relax and enjoy conversation, inspiration, encouragement, and motivation in a judgment-free space. Don't continue to drag around that emotional debris. Here's what's next on this episode. Today's podcast, we have a very special guest who is a police officer by profession, and we are very honored to have her come and sit with us as we try to figure out how to do this with some form of grace and um, with firmness and thoughtfulness and humanizing all that are involved. Have a seat on the porch and let's examine what's on your souls. Hello, this is Mia, and we are so excited to be back on the What's On Your Soul podcast, a figurative uh, analogy for what we dredge in on the bottom of our souls as we enter into spaces. We always talk about that physically, but this podcast specifically dwells in what we do emotionally and mentally and how we are unaware of what it is that we have on our souls and then we then bring into the space of another. We took a week off uh, in homage and to just sit in the present situation of what is going on in our world in real time because we are... um, making an intention to be present and to be involved in what is in our world. And so we have not forgotten, but we wanted to be very intentional in our movement and creating space for what was before us and remains before us. Um, And today's podcast is going to be done in homage to that. We have a very special guest who is a police officer by profession, and we are very honored to have her come and sit with us and just speak and uh, pour wisdom into us and provide revelation and moments of reflection as we try to figure out how to do this with some form of grace and um, with firmness and thoughtfulness and humanizing all that are involved. And so when we come back on this mic, we have the privilege of sitting down with someone who does this every day, <laughs> all day, and has a, another life uh, on the side of that trying to be alive and be well, and um, has decided that she will sit with us and help educate us and for us to understand where she stands in regards to her profession. We'll be right back. More conversation on the way from What's On Your Souls with Mia. In the meantime, if you have a comment, log on with your laptop or smartphone to miaembro.com. That's M-I-A-M-B-R-O-H.com. From the audio player, click the leave a comment link. Let your voice be heard. Now, back to more of what's on your souls. Hey, this is Mia, and we are back on the porch, and I have an exceptional guest that is sitting on the porch with me today. I was just mentioning to the, her to, this to her when we were off air that up until this time, and we're probably on episode 16 or 17, everyone that has come to sit with me, I have some form of connection with already. Um, and in this particular episode, I am honored, but this is a special guest because we do not have a connection thus far. Right. Yeah. And so I thank you even more for that because that demonstrates some element of trust and vulnerability without knowing, which is what we're encouraging everyone in the world to do right, right. now is that you don't know everything. Right. Right. And uh, you're not sure what it's going to be. I think that whole feeling of being untethered is scary for some mm-hmm. because they um, connect that to being out of control and um, scary 
And sometimes they don't know that that lends itself to possibility. Right. And although there will be rebellion and there will be um, resistance because that's how it always happens. That's the nature of human beings. That is the quest of reformation. And so that's where we're going on this. Absolutely. And so you're going to lead us in some ways and correct us. So my understanding is that your profession is that of a police officer. Is that right? Yes, ma'am. How did you decide to become a police officer? Um, it kind of just happened. I graduated college. I went into the private sector for six and a half years. Uh, my father um, was a first responder, um, and he kind of guided my way. Um, I was tired of what I was doing, and I wanted something a little more rewarding and a little more stable. Um, and he said, well, if that's what you're looking for, this is what you could do. So I said, what the heck? I applied, and here I am. That's great. Okay, so before we continue with this conversation, <clears throat> what I will ask you to do is not say yes, ma'am, to me. Okay. Because, then, <laughs> because there's implications behind that <laughs> that I don't think are true. Maybe they are true. Maybe I'm in denial. <laughs> but we're just, we're just going to move through as this. We are peers. Okay, okay. okay. Is that okay. good? Do yes. you feel good with that? Absolutely. And I understand. I appreciate the respect <laughs> and the honor behind that. But that is a distraction for me. Okay. Because then I start thinking about myself. And okay. so I don't want to do sorry, that. I'm it's sorry, okay. No, no apologies. It's my baggage. But I just, yeah. So we're good. <laughs> okay. So let's, how long have you been a police officer? A little over 11 years. Over 11 years. Yes, ma'am. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> So we're probably going to have to do some time out here. This episode's going to be a little bit longer than usual, but it's all right. We're going to condition some behavior. So tell me, the first thing I want to ask you are, what are the rewards that you have reaped from being a police officer? Like, less, like what has, how has it made you better if it has? Um, the first thing is it's made me realize and look at everyone's situation um, with, Empathy. Um, sometimes, uh, just being honest, I've been in situations where, and I have a story also. I have a lot of stories, so stop me. We love a story. We're sitting on the porch with our shoes right, off, so right. that's all we do is tell stories. <laughs> so, okay. Um, stories to where um, I have myself gotten wrapped up in doing my job and, you know, have to realize that, wait a minute, this is not just my job. There's another person that I'm having to, you know, uh, deal with or and their emotions in their real life situation. Um, it has, of course, um, afforded me stability in my lifestyle, um, stability for my child. Um, it brings another perspective with her. Um, she goes to school with children who don't have parents or, or family in law enforcement. Um, so she sees both sides of it. Um, it's also brought um, heartache um, uh, fear for her um, when she sees a police officer hurt or killed um, she starts you know she may have she has nightmares um, we've actually had to go to therapy um, so those types of things it's just you know it you have a you have, you have to live different lives you have to live a life at work you have to come home and live your home life you know be a mom be a sister um, a daughter um, run the household um, you know, I do. What's interesting about that and what is always the intention of anyone who comes to sit here as a guest on the porch is to humanize them. Right. And to understand. And so, um, in the field of psychology where I rest most of my days, uh, we know that there is 
a habit that we have as human beings where we love to collectively categorize people. Okay. And we do that just because it makes it easier, right? So you just look for the, I don't know, the bread aisle, the, right, the what, and then you just assume that's where you find all breads or whatever. And you're not really, you're just looking for the bread you're looking for, but it's all, but human beings don't really move like that collectively, but it's easier for us when we are depositing our narratives or um, our thoughts about someone, it's more difficult to think of you as an individual than is to think collectively. You're right. And I know that we have all experienced that and witnessed that on the news as of late Mm -hmm. in the wake of something horrendous that has happened, which is the death of George Floyd. Right. Um, And so you get that. So you, you kind of compile that with emotion and with distress and despair because it's something that has always happened. Mm -hmm. And now people, um, I said this to a friend the other day and she was like, my gosh, Imbro, I'm just going to need you to find nicer ways to say things. And I was like, there's no time for this. right?" Right. So my analogy was like, the bodies have always been in the ocean. They've just floated to the top. And now everybody can see them when they're trying to get their yacht through the water. You're absolutely right. And that's an inconvenience and it's grotesque to them. Like, so that's it. But sometimes you have to wait. You know, people search for a body forever. If you watch 2020 or whatever, Mm -hmm. and someone's chained it down there with a rock or something. And then all of a sudden it gets loose, untethered, and it floats to the water. And then everyone acts appalled Mm -hmm. that that's how that person. And I just said, that's kind of what's happening. That's the feeling of it. And so my intent in bringing you to this is to for you to tell your story for people to understand the many facets of you and the like when you talk about your child Mm -hmm. having nightmares and so there are a million parent uh parents that listen to this podcast probably they're almost majority parents um and that what that does is it gets them to consider something else other than what they're thinking and so i appreciate that my next question is what do you think about um, what are your thoughts and feelings about everything that's going on in the world right now? Um, heartbreaking is the first thought and feeling that comes to mind. Um, obviously what happened is horrendous and unimaginable for one human being to treat another human being like that. Um, and then, uh, to sit for the other officers to sit around and just watch it happen and not intervene or anything. Um, when we're coming through the academy, um, a lot of we, what we call the old heads, the veterans, they always say, hey, um, if you see somebody not doing what they're supposed to be doing or doing something that they're not supposed to be doing, you need to intervene, step in and, you know, hey, I'm going to need you to just, you know, come over here, chill out, you know. Um, so that was. Um, so what do you think happened in that particular situation? So now you're because you're talking about a profession that you've been in for 11 years. Right. 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 So I would think at the 11 year marker, you've about seen it all. You've seen right. those that adhere to that. Mm-hmm. And then you've seen those who don't. Mm-hmm. And I oh, yeah. um, when I talk about the collective and you and I talked about this a little bit pre recording is that people think because you are collective. That means everyone thinks the same. Right. Everyone understands the same. Right. And it's like differentiated learning, right? Mm-hmm. People have learning differences. They take in information differently. Right. They deposit information differently. So just because you said it, like just because you said, if you see something that doesn't feel right, you need to step back. If that hasn't been modeled before you, and right. if you don't understand what that means, you don't know how to implement that. Right. And right. whatever you're dredging around on the sole of your shoes or bringing in your baggage or whatever people call it, if you're not really aware mm-hmm. and self-evolved in that way, it's going to, it's like a Coke can when you shake it up right. and you open it up, 
whatever's in you is coming out. It's coming out. You're absolutely right. And it doesn't matter. You can tell me all the time, uh, Mia, that's inappropriate. Don't do that. But if I don't, if no one, if I don't know that, like right. if I've never driven a Maserati, right. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. right? You're absolutely right. So, um, so you hear that you're trained that way, but then you become aware that that's not how everyone is. Mm-hmm. Right. Moving. Right. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I want you to move into that space, like okay. that dissonance, like, you know, what everyone has been told. Right. But then you come to understand that we are individuals yep. and we are going to um, do what we want to do in the way we want to do Absolutely. it. Absolutely. All right. We'll be right back. Thank you guys. Go to MiaEmbro.com uh, and you can check out this particular episode of What's on Your Soul and all those before. And we will be right back. More conversation on the way from What's on Your Souls with Mia. In the meantime. If you have a comment, log on with your laptop or smartphone to miaembro.com. That's M-I-A-M-B-R-O-H.com. From the audio player, click the leave a comment link. Let your voice be heard. Now, back to more of what's on your souls. Okay, we're back on the porch with our very, very special guest. We are just so honored to have a police officer that as in profession. And I say that because I think sometimes people take people's profession and they make that the person right. and that's what you do for a living that doesn't mean that's who you are uh, although you honor it and so we have a habit of asking people we meet them and then say uh what do you do and then they talk about their job right but that doesn't mean that that's who you are and so we try to be very intentional about separating those two ciphering them out here on the podcast so i have a question for mm-hmm. you because we're doing real talk here with all that's going on in the world um, and you understanding the fact that you chose to walk into this profession, did you have all the information that you now have about pol- being a police officer before you became a police officer? Um, no. What did you not know that you now know? The politics that are involved, um, the culture, the culture in general, uh, the, the culture of policing is a lot different than the public perception okay can we can we go deeper in that in a way because the balance is always that you feel safe on the porch right and that we're doing it and that those listening to us have enough uh whatever that is compassion intellect right to lean into and to suspend their judgments and thoughts and almost dismantle it so that they can hear something different and new without being dramatic about it okay okay so what have you learned? More specifically. Okay, let me ask you. So what didn't you know that you now know about the politics and the, uh, maybe the dynamics of it that, you, that maybe caught you by surprise? Right. And you might have thought, you know what? I need to think a little harder about this now that I'm in it. Um, as simply put as I can say it, um, the common sense things, the things that need to be done on a common sense level, whether it be disciplinary action or, you know, the day-to-day operations, um, aren't really that taken into consideration the way they should be um, because of agenda, maybe an agenda or um, a personal preference um, of those that are making the decisions um, in the end. Um, and that's probably common so I would try to normalize everything. So that sounds like almost 
the majority of organizations or right. in the world, right? Is that there is some time, and that is what creates dissonance even in personal relationships is there's an unspoken agenda which we're not aware of. Right. And so what appears as common sense to us, like why wouldn't you do this? We can't figure out what the hesitancy is. Right. And that's because, and I think everyone listening to this podcast has probably been involved in a dynamic where they've seen that. Like, right. I know what I see. I know what's happening, but there's this hesitancy or this delay, right. which is always indicative. Right. Maybe sometimes it's reflection and prayer, but rarely. Mm-hmm. It's indicative of there is another motive or agenda going on. Right. And not to assign blame or shame on that, but just to be real, because sometimes we're trained, after that happens so much, you stop trusting your intuition. You're absolutely right. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, you have a story to tell us about? Um, I have many, many stories to you tell. You tell us the story because, you know, pop, our production is going to limit us soon. So you t- tell any story, any story. What's a story that you think of when you're talking about, I want this story to be heard? Okay. Um, I was in a, um, update class. We have to update our, to be, to be peace officers every couple of years. We have to update, take state mandated classes, okay. 80 hours. To stay up to par. Correct. To do, okay. Right. Um, and we were at the racial um, part of the course, and the I believe he was a lieutenant that was actually instructing that block of, of lesson. And before we, we got started, he showed a video of policing in our city, um, the, basically showing the history of uh, racial okay. disparities. And um, that was the intent of the video to show racial disparity within the city within specifically our city, okay. because that's where we police. Sure. And this is a classroom full of current police officers, um, anywhere from brand new on the streets, you know, a couple of years to um, people who've been on the street for maybe 30 years. Okay. So um, classroom is full uh, at the end of full the class. Is, so forgive me for the details. It's okay. No, no, you're fine. Full is how many? Um, maybe 30 people. 30 human beings are right. present. 30, 40 okay. people. Mm-hmm. And we're all sitting at tables, um, maybe five or six people at a table. This is before social distancing, obviously. Correct. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is a couple <laughs> years ago. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, so at the end of the video, it was maybe a 15 or 20-minute video. At the end of the video, um, there was a picture. He left up there intentionally. Um, and this is a, um, a black lieutenant. He The picture was... Uh, two maybe 20 or 25 year old black males up against a wall this is maybe in the 60s and three or four um, white officers and they had dogs and hoses and he posed a question and of course the classroom was silent you know getting sure. a pin drop he says um, what's the difference between policing there and policing now and I'm sitting uh, about halfway through the classroom and there's a table behind me I hear one of the officers say, the difference is we can't use water hoses. He says it under his breath. Uh, I'm assuming he said it so only his little table could hear. Because, of course, they all snickered. And I was immediately, like I had that, my stomach balled up in a knot, and I started shaking, and um, I had to get my composure. Because I'm, I'm an emotional person. <laughs> so to get my composure, and um, what seemed like maybe five minutes was maybe 15 seconds, and uh, the instructor got ready to talk, and I, I cut him off. I said, I'm so sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. I said, but I have to speak. I have to say something. I said, how do we as a, as a department 
how do we address racism between policing and our communities when we need to address what's going on in this classroom? And he looked at me like, well, what, where is that coming from? And I said, I'm not sure, maybe you didn't hear the comment. And then so I repeated his question, and then I repeated the comment that was said. And um, we had a, maybe a 30, 40 minute discussion. I, to this day, don't know who said it because I was still so mad I couldn't even turn oh, around. Oh, you look. did not turn no, around? No, I, I, I couldn't turn around. I, I probably, I may have lost my job that day, <laughs> but um, because of all the things that were going through my mind, I just, I, it was out of control. I couldn't believe that somebody actually said that, you know, in our classroom setting. And um, we did have a, we had a pretty, um, intricate discussion. I can't say that maybe that person changed his opinion or the, you know, maybe he just changed what he says in public. I don't know, but hopefully that at least, I know it created a dialogue over an hour dialogue in the classroom that day. And so maybe somebody's opinion was changed, but, um, that's, you know, I have these discussions even in my unit, you know, every day, stuff like that, you know, things like that, like every day, every, almost every day. So, okay. There's a couple of thoughts I have of that, and I want to hear your voice. And I say this almost po every podcast, so I'm going to say it again, because production is that this will probably be longer than what production wants it to be. Okay. So I just say that to okay. get it out of the way. But, <laughs> so the first thing I think about, so there's a couple of things. I probably need to write this down, because do you ever have a million thoughts in your head and then yes. you think, I'm going to lose this if I don't say it? So the first thing I think about as a uh, counselor is the trauma Right. That comes with um, hearing something and knowing something that affects you professionally and personally. Right. But having to reconcile that and get yourself together so that you can do your job. Right. And no credence or time or space given to that. And that person not taking ownership. So even the fact of you not looking back to see who it was almost feels protective to me. Absolutely. Because then when you see it, you know, and I don't, I don't think I said this on the air. I don't want to be repetitive, but I was talking to you in production about how, when I run or walk every day, right. the other day I was coming up on something in the road. Like I could see the outline of something, the image of mm -hmm. something, and I was going full throttle. And it, then my mind started playing these games on me. Like, is that a dead animal? Right. Or is that like something trash that's been discarded? But I was feeling those same feelings at the same time. Like, I don't want to come up on like a dead dog. Right. But it could just be a trash bag. <laughs> so what am I going to do? Right. So I got as close to it as I my, my abilities would let me. Mm -hmm. And then I diverted. I went over to the median. Like, I crossed over so that I wouldn't have to see right. it. And then the whole time I was just looking at it with my peripheral vision. Like, I never just head on took it. Right. So then that helped me continue right because then I didn't have to face the reality of what was in front of me so I think about when that happens to an individual every day like something and that's trauma mm -hmm. right happens right. because it caused you to feel it hurt you vulnerable yeah that's one of those is death by a thousand cuts You're absolutely right. right so that stayed on you and then you still had to move past that and reconcile that so then how do you work with people when you know that that's what's happening all the time well, my perception on people is, I, I, I honestly, I don't think I can change your opinion or the way that you were, you were raised or you were brought up. I can bring it to your attention, and hopefully that's enough for you to change the way that you think or, or at least observe, like, like the trash bag in the road, mm -hmm. you know? Hopefully, 
you know, me saying something to you would make you think, well, let me just see what this is about. Let and, me just head it off. Let right, me see. Right. Let me, right. let me, let me explore myself and see if there's something else to, you know, that's the only, the arguments that I have, well, not really arguments, but discussions or points of view that I bring up, you know, almost daily, um, in my own group. Um, I, I just, I, the, they, the things that they say and, and do is, is appalling. And I just hope that maybe, you know, knowing me personally and it coming from my mouth, maybe change their view or opinion or, you know, one of the guys said one day, I just wish I could take all the liberals and shoot them in the back. And I said, well, well I hope that I'm not one of those liberals <laughs> running from you that day, you know. Like, so you're able you to have, and that probably comes some from who you are as an individual and also from your training, that you're able to maintain some semblance of calm with that. Right, But Absolutely. if you were to pop off or become angry, right. it's interesting that sometimes you would then become the problem. Absolutely. Right, and, and that is how it always is because the end of my story is the next day I punked myself and I made myself <laughs> run up on whatever it was. Right. Like... Yeah grow up right. right and if it's a dog and you need to help like whatever it is or whatever and it was a trash bag right so <laughs> i'm just saying sometimes we create narratives and fears about what are and that gives us permission to act up and sometimes make the problem worse than and it may, actually has to be right like because then i could have got hit by a car crossing the street trying to get away from a trash bag right, right. so you just if you just focus head on um but i what I want to do in this too is just to humanize that. So it's exhausting. It is extremely exhausting. It's exhausting for you. Uh, and I know this, and I'm not talking about something that I think. I think there are a lot of voices going on right now in the world, and everybody has something to say. And so sometimes you have to get quiet, and people will assume that silence means you have nothing to say. And sometimes it means I've been talking forever. Right. So there are a lot of new voices in this arena now. Right. And then there are those of us who live it and talk it every day. And so our silence. So that's kind of like, so I'm a mom, I'm a black mom. And I would want to say, I don't know where the children are now, but I would want to say when I get silent is when they're most concerned. Absolutely. Right. You're right. Because it means I have said what I said. Right. So this is not brand new. And so for some people it feels brand new. This conversation is not, but if I can tell you how exhausting it is to be the one that not only absorbs the ignorance, right. but then corrects it and has to teach it yeah. and then has to regulate how you're going to come out. Yeah. So you are doing everything, mm -hmm. requiring nothing, right. hoping, but requiring nothing of other people. Right. Why do you remain in the profession? Well, I actually just had this conversation yesterday with some of my private friends. Um, if all the good police officers quit, then who would protect me when I'm now just a regular old citizen? Or who would protect my kids or my dad or my sisters, you know? Who would who would be the good cops on the street outweighing the bad cops, you know? Are there more good cops? A lot more good cops. So we want to normalize that too. Right. Because just like in everything, when we're mm -hmm. talking about race, when we're talking about police officers, when we're talking about anything, we love to do that whole collective narrative. Grouping. Grouping, right. Because right. right. it's just easier. It's more convenient for us. Mm -hmm. We're pretty lazy in thought. 
Um, and so that just makes it easier because God forbid that I have to have a relationship with you and get to know you. And then maybe you're going to dispel some of the things that I've thought. And that means I'm going to have to change. Right. But if we are ever growing, evolving human beings, that's the quest, right? Right. You never stop learning and growing. And so thank you for sticking in there. Absolutely. We apologize for the ignorance and the, um, ill thinking ability of other people around you. And because sometimes what happens is when that keeps going, you start thinking you're the crazy person. Yeah, you do. <laughs> trying to stay, trying to stay afloat. How do you stay healthy? How do you take care of yourself? <clears throat> um, the first thing I do is I shut it off. As soon as I get off work and I get into my car and I head home, I call my dad. He's the very first person I call when I leave work. And I get everything off. He has heard so much what a good daddy. from me. That's and good. um and then I, you know, I get home, I, I pick up my daughter and we go home, we garden, we she plays dress up, puts makeup on, we play video games, you know, I I just I turn it completely off. So you're able to do that? I am. Um of course I, you know, I'm on social media and you know, I read things and my cousin made a post at the very beginning and which was really uh, to me, disgusting. Um, she's a um, she has a PhD in theology. She's a minister. Um, she's of course my cousin, and mm -hmm. she made a post and she said, "Until cops until cops start to die, no one's gonna wake up or no one's gonna listen or something." And it just that broke my heart that that she would say something like that, you know. But um, I understand it's kind of like uh, it's the burden that I shoulder, and if that's the burden that has to be shouldered for bad things to stop happening, then that's what's going to happen. Yeah. So what I'm going to say about that, because, you know, I, I said this to you because, you know, that's the therapist in me, but it's also how I'm wired is the cost that there is always a cost. And so I think it's easy for people when we're doing the collective is that we forget that you have a heartbeat and that you have a soul and that you have, um, that you're affected by it all. Right. It means something. And that what it almost literally sounds like is if that, if I am the sacrifice, that I'm willing to do that. And for me as a person of faith, that has all kind of implications to it, that you're laying down your life for someone and that they might not even ever know the story. Right. And so I will say in this space to you, to thank you for that. And then I would love to hear your voice on do we need to take a break, production, and then come back? Or can we keep, we need to take a break? Okay. Okay, we're going to take a break, and then we'll be right back, because we just need a moment. All right, we'll be right back. While we're having great conversation with What's on Your Souls with Mia Embro, we wanted to thank you for listening, and we look forward to hearing from you at miaembro.com. There you can get caught up on previous shows, comment, or even give us feedback. All right, let's get back to our final segment as we wrap up what's on your souls okay this is mia and we are back with our very very special guest and um, when i say special because it's an honor that she is sitting here with us but also when an, an individual decides that they are going to be vulnerable like they are just going to put it out that is so risky for so many ways in so many ways and for so many reasons um, and so i always want to acknowledge it and affirm it and give it life 
so that it comes back to that person. And so to you, I want to say this will come back to you in ways you've never imagined. And um, there will be someone somewhere that hears it and it will give them pause and it will change the legacy of their family. And so that is what we aim to do. And so again, I say to you, thank you. Thank you. Okay, so we're gonna, we're about to, we're on our last leg. This is a hard conversation (laughs) because it's so um, laden, it's so complex. It is. It's so emotional, it's so personal, it's sad. Um, It's exciting when you think about possibility. It's, um, you sit in great gratitude when you think about there are people who are still willing to sit and talk about it, even though they're exhausted in the midst of exhaustion. It reminds me of marathon runners who sometimes turn around and go back and get someone else who's falling down. You're right. And you're just thinking, I'm about to vomit, but I got you. Yes. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. And that's what it feels like. Like people have stopped eating. And what I know behind the scenes, because I dwell in the alleys with people on the back end, is that. Uh, anxiety and depression and all of those symptoms of trauma that happen are what is bubbling up and happening so for you to have to move through that again I know people don't like the analogy of the dead bodies floating on the water but it reminds me of that um, scene in the Titanic right when they're going back to try to get who's living they, they have to get through all these dead bodies and if we're not careful that is exactly what we're going to end up doing. Absolutely. And so I appreciate you for being in the boat Absolutely. and trying to save them. So if you had a magic wand and you could breathe and you could reflect in peace and say, this is what needs, this is what needs to happen. It's a system that has so many great people with great intention, with great training, that are ethical and emotionally and mentally well and can separate their stuff from other people's stuff and not project it, Mm -hmm. um, you would say that would look like what for you? What would need to happen and then what would that look like and feel like for you? Well, it would probably start at the top um, where we would have our leaders would be more empathetic and... Um, compassionate, um, where agendas would be removed, and it would be a more um, personal relationship rather than, I believe, I, I think that a lot of times when when the, the leaders have a more political agenda or um, the interest of uh, people who have stake in the situation, uh, those decisions are made based on based on accolades or, like I said, agendas, rather than uh, humanity. humanity. Not just within the police department, but even within just citizens in general, you know? Um, What's the training? You know, have you ever heard the comment where they'll say, it takes more hours to become someone who works in the health and beauty industry? Not knocking them, but mm-hmm. um, just that there are other professions that require more for licensure, more time and attention than it might, and accountability mm-hmm. than it does to become someone who is over the law. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Along the same lines, um, a lot of it starts with our training. Now, a lot of the training that we get is very good training. Absolutely. Our training is the one of the best departments in the country for training. 
Um, but I also believe that in that training, um, when it comes to, you know, because we're paid while we're being trained, um, there's a lot of money that goes into that and to, to our license and each individual officer. Um, there were people in my, in my academy class and other academy classes that should not have made it out of the academy. Um, based on? Based on cowardness, um, based on aggression, based on a lot of different things. But like I said before, the, you know, when there are other people making the decisions and, you know, rather than eliminate this person because we've already spent, you know, half a million dollars sure. on them. Um, it's a business. I get it. It is. So, I mean, if that were taken more consideration, um, maybe things would be different. Um, honestly, though, it comes down to an individual person. Um, we all, in the department, all of us good cops, you know, the, the guys that, that want to go out there and run and, and gun and, you know, do this and that and the stuff that they know they shouldn't, that we know they shouldn't be doing, we, all, we often say they're the, the ones that were picked last on the team, you know, played dodgeball or they weren't a part of any group or association. They were the, the loners in high school, you know, those type of people. But um, it, I think it starts in training and weeding them out. I mean, we have um, we have a psychology. We, you know, we have to do our psych test, psych evaluation. I was going to ask you about that. Mm -hmm. We have to do a psych evaluation. We have to do um, the polygraph. You know, all of that stuff before you even go on to the to the next phase. Like, there's three different phases that we have to go through before we're actually hired by the city, and so. Um, yeah, but I think it, it starts in training and being ident being able to identify. Honestly, if we had maybe some sort of um, mental or therapeutic, mm. you know, yes. aspect to training, yes. then maybe that would I agree. weed some people out too. I agree. You know, um, because a common police officer or corporal or sergeant or lieutenant at the training center may not have that you know, psychi psychi psychiatric background to identify, you know, traits or characteristics of an aggressive person or a person with racial, racist tendencies, or, you know, um, but I don't know. That's good. And I, I, um, I don't even know if I answered your question. You did but. answer my question. You did. And I'm going to agree with you. So, uh, and I want to say to all the people listening, so this podcast is not to assign blame right. and shame. Right. It's to enlighten with awareness and do it in a safe space. And I do think, and we're not just talking about police officers, but in general, we, and we know this as a country, we do not assign enough attention to mental health. You're absolutely and right. And emotional ability and awareness. And it's a we, shame. It's a shame because we assume, we make the erroneous assumption that all are well. You're absolutely right. And so when we are surprised by, like you said, aggression or, um, so wound, hurt people hurt people. Mm, absolutely. Yes. And if you, and we talked about that, if you haven't been taken care of well, or if you haven't been exposed to that. And so some people speak about that and they don't know what they're talking about. I've been doing this for 30 years mm -hmm. and I have seen money doesn't fix it. Status doesn't fix it. It comes out. And it sprays on people. Right. Thus, the whole title of this podcast, What's on Your Souls, is whatever's happened to you. And I say this, and every person that is a therapist or whatever um, knows that I'm right. So how we kind of move through life is we have these bends to us. 
And if we have not healed, or if we have healed, depending on that, we choose arenas that allow us to express what we felt we lacked Mm -hmm. or what we're drawn to. So my um, example of that is people like to cut. They either become a world-class surgeon or they become a serial killer, right? right? Or people like to beat people up. So they become a professional boxer and make all this money, or they are a gangster where they beat people up on the street. Right. Like you find your pocket and either it's socially acceptable or not. People sometimes, not always, like they will say this and I'll own it, that some therapists and psychologists are a little cuckoo. Mm-hmm. Right. Because right. they're drawn to that. They want to understand what that is mentally. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And people who have felt a lack of power or a lack of being seen in authority are sometimes drawn to become police officers. And Many are not, and probably the majority are not uh, driven by that. But there are the few. And the problem is, whether it is 90 good, 10% not, it's just like the coronavirus. You're right. It just takes one person to infect you and kill you. That's right. Right. And so... Literally. I don't... Yeah. So, and the reason that I know that people understand this is because I worked in a school setting for many years, and there could be one kid who was raining terror on a playground. And if I could tell you the number of parents who were saying, Miss Embro, something needs to be done about that one kid. And we might say, well, you just have to be patient. They're working something. They were like, I really don't care. I just know I don't want that kid next to my kid. So for us to have to fight so hard to explain why this is a problem, that there are 90% good but 10%, if my son runs into the 10%, we've got a problem. Absolutely. Right? Because you can't bring it back to life. I've only seen one person... I only know of one person in the world that can bring people back to life. That's it. Right? right. So we've got a problem. Right. Absolutely. And I have a daughter, and I know she's not a black male, but she's a black female. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had this conversation with people that I've worked with. Y'all, you've never been black, male or female. I've been pulled over at least three times in my little, like my little city for no reason, and I don't. Why don't you tell me, please? Why should I tell them I'm a police officer? I, I don't have to tell them I'm a police officer to be treated right. You know, right. it's a hard Can I see lesson. Your supervisor, how about that? <laughs> Can you send your supervisor? How about that? Here? It's a hard <laughs> lesson. So think of that though, and I always say this to people. That's why this podcast is important because we have a voice. Because it's not even so much for the two of us sitting here, right? Because, like you said, you can start pulling out your cards of "Can I see your supervisor?" and all that, and I can say, you know, who's your city councilman? Absolutely. Like, what, what are we doing here? Absolutely. Like, we, we know how to navigate this. Um, in a way that kind of reigns people in. But for those without a voice, You're right. for those with no power, for those with no stage, for those with no podcast, right. someone has to be saying it. And I believe this particular podcast that we have goes out to people that have great influence in Good. our community right. and in um, the spot where we sit. Right. There's some movers and some shakers. And so I think it's important um, because they know that we love them. They know that we respect them, but they know that we expect the best. Absolutely. Just like they do of us. And so Accountability. Uh, accountability. That's what <laughs> keeps us going. We have that for our kids. Absolutely. Why not for our world? Absolutely. So I want to say thank you to you again. Thank you. I'm so thank you for having uh, me. appreciative of you. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I know this is a brave thing for you to do, um, but I applaud you. Thank you. Now I have something a little bit easier. Okay. Okay. We end every podcast with a series of questions. Okay. And um, this kind of, again, humanizes you and just says at the end of the day, this is a human being that has a life uh, that puts her life at risk in order to protect us. And we want to 
applaud you for that, but we also want to celebrate with you with all the other areas. So this is called I Am From. Okay. Okay. So this tells us a little bit how you got where you are. I am from. I'm going to give you prompts and you're going to complete them. So the first one is I am from, and you're going to list sights, sounds, and smells that you remember growing up. Okay. So you say I am, I am from. from. Okay. I am from dirt roads and sunny days. Um, let's see sights, smells. I am from fresh blackberry pies from my grandmother. Sights, smells, and what else? Sounds. Sounds. I am from crickets and fireflies, but that's more sights too. So you grew up in the country. I did. I'm a country girl. My granny, her our laundry. Last time we had a dirt road and a cricket. (laughs) My my our laundry smelled like dirt and dust, and it was really hard and crisp on the line. On the line, yeah. Yeah, And then it blows in the breeze, and you had those clips on the. Hey, we. I get you. Okay. (laughs) I am from, and now you will list like your favorite foods. Okay. Things that you remember, like this is my jam. I am from um, barbecued chicken on Sundays. And Only on Sundays? Yes, my grandma made it every Sunday. Every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And um, sun sweet tea. Like you make it in the sun, you let it sit out all day long. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. I am from, oh, my grandma, my, my other grandma used to make um, beans and rice. We ate so much beans and rice when I was little. <laughs> It makes you strong. That's it. good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I try to get my daughter to eat it, but she won't do it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, beans okay. and rice. And then I am from, and you will name like sayings or things, you, words you remember being said over and over as you grew up. Um, I'm too old a cat to be fooled by a kitten. Oh, okay. Wait. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. Wait. Everybody just pause. Everybody just hold on for just a moment. Okay. Should we have shenanigans? Okay, let's say it. So we can't get through a podcast without shenanigans. But okay, will you say it again, again, please? I'm too old a cat to be fooled by a kitten. Oh, I'm gonna use it. Okay, Okay, just I get it, and I'm gonna assume the dude. But just in case, because we're making room, what does that mean? Well, my grandma. Everything we grew up with my grandma, basically. <laughs> this is um, your maternal or your paternal? Well, she, my maternal. She's technically my great great aunt, but she raised my mom, and so we call her Granny. Okay. She's ninety four still. Still North, going? Yes, she lives in North Carolina. She's pistol. I talk to her at least once a week. Nothing like a good pistol. She's a mess. Um, but she used to say that all the time. The three of us girls. Um, she would say, I'm too old a cat to be fooled by a kitten. What does that mean? That means don't try to pull anything over my eyes. I don't have don't, time. I don't. Yeah, don't, my nerves aren't set up try. like this. They're not. Yeah, they're not. <laughs> they're not. That's right. Don't she, play games she with me. She was 60 by that point. Yeah, like, she's like, like, we're not going to do this yeah, back and forth. We're not going to go around you're, around. You're a kitten. Exactly. Right. Don't try me. I'm a cat. <laughs> go out there and get a switch. Right. <laughs> Let's get this over with. Oh, my gosh. Okay, the last is I am from, and you're going to talk about... Um, Virtues of people that you call friends or that you admire in your life. Like, what are the consistent virtues that you see? Honesty. Um, I don't have very many friends that I, people that I call friends. Um, I have a, a handful of friends. I have two best friends, and they are always honest. Oh, too I'm emotional for this. You're not too emotional <laughs> for this. And we're on the porch. You're supposed to be emotional. That's yeah. what it is. It's a place to be. 
I think um, the world keeps trying to box us in all the time. Right. Tell what you should do. And what you, like there has to be a space mm-hmm. where you just get to sit in that and resonate in it and marinate in it. Right. And remember dirt roads. Right. Yeah, right. And pot and like cats and kittens. Right. All that crazy. <laughs> In honesty. Right. Yeah, Yeah. because if you don't, you'll get untethered from that, and everyone's trying to tell you who you are, and you'll forget who you are. Right. Right. And so you can cry here. We have tissue. We have clean. You know how they call Kleenex. Any tissue they call Kleenex. They call it by the brain. Right. Because that's what we do. (laughs) So it's good. We have water and Kleenex. You can do whatever you want to do. We're just so grateful. Thank you. To have you here. Is there anything else that you want to say while you have this mic in front of you that you want the world to know or that you think it's important for people to consider? Just be nice. Just like, like people, like, like we grew up saying, treat, treat others the way that you want to be treated. Um, policing. I, I police everybody the way that if, if my dad or my sister who gets pulled over all the time or my, my when my over. nieces grow up and start mm-hmm. driving my daughter, you know, I want, I want them to be treated the way that I, that I, I want to be the cop that pulls them over, you know, cause I know they're going to be taken care of, you know, they're going to be trusted. Yes, you know, I do. And, um, so what I'll say to the world behind that is that is the dream, right? Right. Um, and how I normalize that is some people don't know how to treat themselves. You're absolutely right. That, and that's a, that goes back to the therapy, right? <laughs> people need to talk right. to somebody. So I, what I say this to every organization and every, what you probably do want to implement. Um, people don't think of that, but right. it's pretty cool to implement. I've seen some companies starting to do that now. Uh, and even requesting my voice to at their table is request, request a well-being coordinator in your organization to help you walk with people because we always say that treat people the way you want to be treated, do unto others as you would do unto them, all the things we say. And what we fail to realize is that sometimes people don't even know how to treat themselves You're well absolutely because right. they don't even know themselves. Because we do have um, therapy available in our organization free for the officers you know, and their families, that indi- but they don't do it. Yeah, because it means weakness to them. Some, they they think something's strength. wrong with them. I believe in therapy, honey. Okay. That's where we're going to end this. I'm so grateful. Thank you for everything. Uh, Blessings and love on you you and your daughter. Thank you. And protection and provision be given to you. And uh, we hope to have you back again. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. All right. We hope that we have, through this dialogue, we have gifted someone with something that will change them for the better and change the legacy of their lives. We are so honored that you have invested your time with us, listening to us, and our ultimate desire and prayer for you is that you will find rest for your souls. As we bring another episode to a close, we want to thank you and check out our website at miaembro.com. That's M-I-A-M-B-R-O-H.com. Leave us a message or feedback. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast to receive the latest episodes and join us next time as we discuss what's on your souls.